Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out I know, but I said, oh, Jesus, and you said what? Like, as if you were Jesus. I, I thought it was a joke. It was funny. If, if so. It was a joke. It was a different joke. <laughs> it was a different joke. So anyway, this week we are talking about a Bob Dylan song for the first time, and so we are going to start the pod off by, I guess, talking about our favorite Bob Dylan album. Jonathan, do you have a favorite? No. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I meant to say Yes. For me, if I had to just go with one, I really like Blonde on Blonde. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's a little later. I, I mean, I like his earlier stuff too, but I'll start out with Blonde on Blonde. For some reason, I don't think you guys, I mean, I know why I don't think, but apparently I don't like Visions of Johanna. I love that. Mm. I mean, I want you, I love, you know, just <laughs> like a woman I love. But he came out with a an alt take of Visions of Johanna on one of his recent like going through the archives releases and I, I love that version of it I just don't like the recorded version of the song really yeah, yeah. no it's it's, it's cool it, it doesn't draw me in it's good Dylan background music for me Neil what's your favorite I'm gonna cop out a little bit here actually my favorite are his greatest hits growing up uh, I, that's not fair I think he's I think you're wrong absolutely wrong that is something that's yeah fair, that's fine ahead. this is my opinion I think the all three volumes are, are good but I don't think they're as good as his albums no, I mean, Greatest it's Hits Volume really 1, that's just what I grew up with. That was my first introduction to Dylan. So that's all I had. And it, it basically came out in 67, I think. It was after he was in the motorcycle accident. And it was just so they could fill some room. And they basically, all of it is hits. It's it's just a whole record of all his Absolutely. early hits. My favorite stuff to listen to is actually the bootleg series. That first CD or whatever on the box set, just with that Hard Times in New York Town like the Talking Bear Mountain Picnic, Let Me Die in My Footsteps. I love how your favorite Dylan albums aren't Dylan it albums. It has Moonshiner on it, alternate version of The Times Are Changing. The The last song or the last track on that disc is The Last Thoughts on Woody Guthrie, that poem he wrote. Which yeah. That stuff, it just hits me so hard because it's, it's young Dylan. It, it's so raw. I, what you got? Uh, I, I, so, so first of all, gosh. young young Dylan is probably my least favorite Dylan uh, outside of uh, outside of old Dylan. My favorite is Blood on the Tracks, and there's no, there's nothing that even comes close in terms of an album for me. Uh, that's I, think, a, I mean, that's a great one, no doubt. I think he it has his two best best songs. Writing why I think Simple Twist of Fate and Shelter from the Storm. I think I they're my favorite like songs that he's ever written. Yeah. So if you play Blood on the Tracks, I'm going to play Bringing It All Back Home on your Blood on the Tracks because we're bringing it all back home. Subtraining Homesick Blues, She Belongs to Me, Maggie's Farm, Love Minus Zero, Mr. Tambourine Man, Gates of Eden. Mm. 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 Well, Bringing It All I, Back Home is great, but I, I don't think it holds a candle to Blood on the Tracks. I, what else you got? I think I'm going, I'm going Greatest Hits because I, I don't think he was – much of an album guy he's such a song like i mean except for desire there's not many albums well actually nashville skyline too some of them have a cohesive thing going on but he's so good that i think 
it kind of goes beyond the albums. And I, I just so disagree with what you're saying. I mean, right I now. hear you. Everything it's just you're how bringing I listen to this to discussion. It. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's fine, but I just can't believe that. My third in the list is Greatest Hits Volume 3. I love... <laughs> what? <laughs> no, Jesus. man, I'm telling you, I... I though that's how i was introduced to dylan i just you know in high school i had cds that's all you had you didn't have spotify i couldn't i couldn't explore every album i know but you didn't go out and buy i was no, too that's how no, I, was in, I didn't go didn't out go. and buy them i just i had what i had i bought the bootleg series box set that i brought up i'll agree with you that i think well i'm not really agreeing with you i think three is the best the greatest hits three no, is, the is, second is the best yeah, I think I think three is. They're but all the greatest hits. They're all great. Obviously, yeah, yeah. They're all they're all really good. My number two is Blonde on Blonde. It's far for me from Blood on the Tracks, but that's definitely number two. And while I'm here, I will say since we've already talked about Blonde on Blonde, n- number three for me would be a tie between Bringing It All Back Home and Nashville Skyline. I mean, for me, I'm still going to say Planet Waves and Desire. Planet Waves is freaking awesome. Planet Waves is number five for me. That album is... It's a great album. ...is fantastic. Tough mama. Meat shaking on the bone. Hazel is such a fucking cool song. Going, going, gone. I'm going, going, I'm gone. That's a ridiculously good song. Yeah, Neil, you should revisit some of these albums, man. I, I don't... I think I should listen to him as a whole album, but I guess the way I've experienced Dylan my whole life is just a picking and choosing what I want to hear. I don't. Yeah. But I would probably, I would probably start with the times they were changing if I did buy a record. Interesting. Have you guys seen Dylan live? Yeah. Once or twice. Yeah. What'd you think? Well, I saw him in the nineties when I was 16, 17, you know, your one of your first couple shows. Yeah. I saw him with Ani DeFranco opening. Oh, cool. It was cool, but I remember like being disappointed because he wasn't playing any of the bootleg stuff. Like that's what I'm talking about. That's because <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember I remember being this little this little kid being like, "Play Walking Down the Line." <laughs> what are you talking about? He sounded just as bad in the '90s as he does now. What, Jonathan? Where where did you where did you see him? With I saw him and Mel Haggard actually at Pantages. I saw that tour. Nice. I, I, but I was in Memphis. We saw the last Merle Haggard song. I was like, motherfucker. Merle was so much Here's Here's the thing about seeing Dylan, but that band he had at the time was oh, yeah. so tight. But the problem was I literally had no idea what any of the songs were. <laughs> like, I was there. I, I loved the Merle Haggard, and his band were great. And then I was like, I don't. I think Are this these is Dylan tang- songs? He, like, I heard him say Tangled Up in Blue one time, and I was just like, all right, I think this is Tangled Up in Blue. It's like trying to identify the body or something. It's like, uh, it's a John Doe. I don't know what it is. When Neil, we went, we went to see him at Americana Fest this past decade with Wilco and My Morning Jacket. We did. And the guy who that wrote those fun. Crazy Heart songs. That was, that was a lot of fun. We were in my Jeep Wrangler. We drove down to Irvine, and you just were nursing a bottle of Jack Daniels on the way home because it was so cold, and I, I the top was down. Um, um, here's, here's the thing I'll say about Dylan and his live shows as they stand. You should know what you're getting into if you go. I mean, you should. <laughs> yes. You don't go and expect Dylan in 64, right? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Second of all, it's better than the fucking Eagles. And here's <laughs> what I mean by that. When I went to see the Eagles, they played every goddamn song exactly the same way on the radio as it is on the radio, except. Yeah, yeah. So it sounded like the radio, not loud enough, and no one was allowed to stand up. <laughs> yeah. It was fucking 
the saddest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it looked like five accountants on stage playing guitar. Oh, but there's there's a <laughs> middle ground. They're like Dylan is on this end of the spectrum and Eagles on this. I will take unpredictably batshit like Dylan over predictably boring like the Eagles. I would say both are better than I. The guess who played the Kudzu Festival in Yazoo City, Mississippi, <laughs> when I was like Kudzu. eleven years that's old. Good, that's an amazing and statement right there. Kudzu Fest. This was on Main Street in Yazoo City, Mississippi, in the Delta, and the only member of the original Guess Who was the drummer who was in the band. That's, that's, what, that's why they were called the Guess Who. You have no fucking clue who's in the band that day. Exactly. Dude, this guy, the singer had a, a button-down short sleeve unbuttoned all the way with a beer gut, and he was chugging Budweiser's chugging the bags. entire show. It was. That was one of the first times I got drunk, probably. Seeing Dylan live now is probably better than that. And honestly, probably seeing the Eagles as yeah. well. It's artistic, though. At least it's artistic. Like, he's... He doesn't really give a shit what you think. Absolutely. And frankly, that's how all art should be. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's a good wrap-up for Dylan. And on that note, you are listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to You, and this week we will be discussing Bob Dylan's... What album is this on? Nashville Skyline. Bob Nin- Dylan's greatest hits volume two. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, D- <laughs> Bob Dylan's 1969 release, Lay Lady Lay. Lay across my big Well, it's just such a great song. Right from the start, you can tell it's different. It kind of—I feel like this song is on its own island. It's very um, unique for a Dylan song, and I think a unique song in general. I think it's some of his best work as far as a vibe—not poetry or like making a statement—but it's just a really nice song. I don't think it's as epic as some of his other like just masterpieces but it has some really good one-liners and it's just it's such it's a great love song i think it's kind of underrated as a love song yeah i first heard this song on my mom's before the flood live record which is not a good version of this song because his intonations on it are like that's a, is that that's you know, the live whatever version. colors you have, you have in your mind oh, where he yeah, just like awful. before Let's the flood is album. a live album which is why you're talking about it being weird. And I'm pretty sure, yes, yes. And I'm pretty sure it's with the band. So with the music sounds amazing, but it's just, it's so different. Like, when then, I'm not Let really sure. <laughs> <laughs> <It's so bad. laughs> exactly. So I'm not sure when I heard the album version, but it's such a unique song and lyric. And I loved it when I eventually did hear it. My mom's a big Dylan fan, so I, I probably heard it. She probably had that on a record. And it's so it's it's kind of unique because of the vocal he uses. You're used to hearing kind of the hey, where it's almost mumbly, but yeah. <laughs> but this is you know more of like a country crooner kind of getting his Jimmy Rogers own. And I love that. I love Nashville Skyline. It's one of my favorite Dylan records. And it's it's a cool tune. It's not my favorite Dylan song. It's probably not even in the top ten, but I I do love it. Okay, okay. The thing about Lay Lady Lay that I think is especially cool for Dylan above a lot of songs is it's succinct it has a form that's that's kind of normal it doesn't have 12 stanzas of lyrics and no bridge mm-hmm. you know because Dylan's most of his stuff is a vehicle for poetry yeah he's not writing songs as much as he just yeah. keeps saying stuff it's very interesting stuff in fact I, I, I don't consider Dylan the greatest songwriter for that reason 
I don't think his songs are as good as the Beatles songs. I don't think they're as good as other folk songs. I think his lyrics are better than everybody's. Mm-hmm. Just like yeah, I don't think Hendrix's yeah. song. I mean, Hendrix's songs are great, and Dylan's songs are great. They're the, they are the greatest. But in terms of just pure songwriting, he tends to be a little out of the box, and that's why he's Bob Dylan, right? So, but this one is much more. I am going to color within the lines because I've I've redefined the lines, so I can do whatever the hell I want to. And now, what I want to do is be conventional. And I, I don't love the voice. I don't. It, it's weird. I'm used to Dylan having a thing he does. Do you feel like it's contrived? No, I don't think it's contrived because who the hell else sounds like that, right? It's not, you know, it, <laughs> it just, but it feels like it, it feels like he's clearly not going for that fr- vocal fry-y, uh, nasally. He's going for the crooner thing, as you said. I don't know how well he hits the mark, except for the fact the song's amazing. So if you sing this song reasonably well, you're going to be fine mm-hmm. because it's an amazing song. Uh, the lyrics have all the mystery and an insight that you expect from Bob Dylan in a, actually a more mm-hmm. succinct and clear way. It's one of the few Dylan songs, you know, you, you really want to hear at a, uh, at a bar. I mean, there's a number of them, but most of them are kind of a little more like folky protesting. Yeah, too heavy. It's too something or other, right? But this is like, that steel comes in. And so yeah. for me, it's a, it, it, it's, it's a guy who's redefined the lines, coming back in the lines, and still showing he's also one of the greatest, if not the greatest, in the lines as well. And that's why I picked this song, because I think it is kind of like, more like a Beatles song. It's just a beautiful song in general. I agree that it is more succinct, or however you're putting it, more kind of coloring in the lines, but it's also kind of weird, like, how the the chorus or like the refrain is almost the first line of every verse, you know? It's, it, there's not really a chorus, or there's a couple different bridge type things it's, it's very unorthodox i think still but it has a cohesive message that just ties it together i think i think the chorus is what lay across my big grass bed i think that's i think i think that's i think that's really what that, but now i'm joking but that may have been why they did that live because it gives mm-hmm. it more of a chorus well, no, because I think it, it is kind of weird because the tag is at the beginning of each verse but the end of each verse is the hook when he goes into the his clothes are dirty, but his hands are clean, <laughs> and you're the best thing that he's ever seen. And then he goes right back into it. Stay, lady, stay, stay with your man a while. I mean, he repeats it, so you still have that that tag. But that little like melodic change he does mm-hmm. there is a really nice hook, even though it's not yeah. what you would typically expect of like a repeating hook that is like the the meat of the song. His clothes are dirty, but his hands are clean. And you're the best thing that he The form of the song is A B A B C A B. It's great. It's good talk, to remember. Talking talk about one, two, three? No, nope, I'm just talking about A B C. <laughs> Not one, two, three. No, do re me. Just A B C. What are we talking about? We were talking about how, you know, a lot of his songs are like this, where he doesn't just have a typical chorus. Uh, like we said with Blind, Blinding Lights a while back, where it's just saturated in 80s. I mean, Dylan's just saturated in folk and blues and American music from first half of the the 20th century which a lot of that is this kind of style and like you said jonathan i mean it's it's him conveying his message whereas See, this is this more where dylan show he's a real artist anybody can go out and try to say they're against whatever fill in the blank but that doesn't mean you're necessarily for anything it just means you're against something that's how i feel about bill maher yeah we'll talk about it later. here's my point is this is Dylan has a message and he has a narrative regardless of where he's doing it and so for him to go because when he went electric everyone flipped 
And now for him to go to Nashville and to change his singing style and to write these kind of little like radio friendly songs would be even more rebellious to his original roots. And that's just more of a testament to how little, how, let me say, how few fucks he gives about anything except what he feels like doing. And that's why he's fantastic. And that's why I picked this song. This whole album in this song is so unique. It's such a, such a cool move to just sing differently. It feels like almost a concept album. It has a cohesive vibe to it in, in general. The concept being reasonable vocals on this one. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's cool that he, he was like, okay, he was in Greenwich Village, and then he was in Woodstock, and then he has a motorcycle accident, and then he's like, okay, now I'm just going to go to Nashville and see what that scene's all about. And he hung out with Johnny Cash and, like, did that kind of Nashville writing scene with, with those folks and got the best musicians and did this album. Yeah, he changed the way he was singing, but, you know, he was obviously going for some kind of country crooner thing, which, I again, I think works fantastically. Fantabulously? Which oh. works well. Let's <laughs> just say it works well. I read, or actually, Joni Mitchell put it in her book that he played this first for Cash and Joni Mitchell, kind of when he first wrote it, just to be a fly on the wall in that room. No shit. There's that one on that <laughs> Dylan, on that Don't Look Back on one of them, where like, he's hanging out with Donovan, funny enough, and Donovan mm-hmm. plays some song he wrote, and he's like, oh, here's a song. Here's, here's, I wrote this one. It's like, Tangled Up in Blue. It's like, it's like fuck you, man. Like, no. It's, 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 it's all right, right baby. It's all over now. It's all over now. You both are wrong. It's all, it's all over <laughs> now. But we all had a little baby truth. Blue. We all had a little accuracy. I knew it had something to do with blue. Everyone had blue, right? I blew it. Fucking, you know. Well, <laughs> I blew it. Well, and, and but, but to, to your point earlier, Jonathan, he actually has said that this he doesn't really like this song because it doesn't represent anything that he's trying to do. Well, the thing is... Uh, and we could speculate about what this song is about. Well, that's a very about Barbara Streisand. Well, 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 I think my issue with the vocals more than anything is that like Dylan becomes Dylan because of his. I mean, he, he's so idiosyncratic with his vocals that you're like, well, that's just Dylan. And then when that changes, it's like Coke being yellow for a little bit or so. It's like, what the hell is going on? Like, it's not ex- how you don't expect it. So I think I don't think the vocals are bad. I just think they're unexpected to hear Dylan sing that way. I think it's a nice change, though. There's, there's, sure. pl- there's all the Dylan you want where he's nasally and doing that <laughs> thing. Um, and just the vocals. It's so funny. He's said many times that like he quit smoking. Like that's a, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you guys think about the melody? I don't know. I, I think there's more, more of like the vibe is better than the melody. The melody is not the vocal point of the song. It's the lyrics. And I think the, 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 the intro beginning. I think the intro is just a function of the lyrics. Now, when the, why wait any longer for, that's definitely melody-driven, I think. And that's, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. good. That's real good. I mean, it's, that's great. Why wait any longer for the world to begin? You can have your cake and eat it, too. But that first part, lay, lay, day, day, do the, there's not, there's, there is melody there for sure, but it's not like, Oh, ah, da, 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 da. It's, it's more lyric-driven, I think. Sure, but, but the B part is... Very, see, and this is why I think the old Dylan vocal couldn't work in this song, because in that B part, I, I just don't think it... And he's the best thing that he's ever seen. I just don't think that he would sound... I think this sounds better in the crooner voice than the So let's think mumbly, about it. I, I've never man. thought about it this way, but th- here's why it, it, that would make sense. In his regular style, what's he doing? Saying bunches of words. Changing words all the time. What's he doing in this song? He's holding notes. Yes. Lay, lay, de, lay. He doesn't do that usually. And so you don't want to go, lay, lay, de, lay. Like, you know, you just, you don't want to. So he, it, this is more melodic. Like it's, the notes are longer. So they have to be more 
attractive to listen to. Well, and on this song and Nashville Skyline in general, I mean, he's doing a more country thing. So he's doing more storytelling and less poetry, which, you know, country country music is all about telling stories and not saying it's not poetry, but it's not like straight up poetry. It's not you know? as I mean, abstract it's, it's, as this stuff normally is. It's, it's more straightforward. And a lot of the songs on this are more oh, straightforward. Yeah. Country totally. Pie and the last mm-hmm. song, you know, Throw My Ticket Out the Window. Like those songs are all very boom. And Girl from the North Country, like... And this song, you know, falls in falls in there as well. So yeah, he can slow it down and take his time. Yeah, like I said, he can. He, he's unconventionally good at. Neil, what's what's your favorite part, lyric? Well, uh, I'd say the whole third verse, "Stay with your man a while." I like how he changes it to "Stay, lady, stay." Um, why wait any longer for the world to begin? You can have your cake and eat it too. And then my favorite line is definitely, "Why wait any longer for the one you love?" when he's standing right in front of you. I've thought of that in many relationships in my life. Like, girl, I love you, I'm right here. So do you think that's your favorite lyric because it, it's got that melodic change? Or no, it's, 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 it's why lyric? wait any longer for the one you love when he's standing right in front of you. Like, it's such a, it's such a, almost a power move as far as like, if, if, if your relationship's rocky, you know, you're just like, hey, I love you, I'm right here. What's up? What's wrong? I love you, you wanna fight about it? <laughs> uh, J- Johnny, uh, what's, what's your favorite been, lyric? Um, his clothes are dirty, but his hands are clean. And then, if you want to combine the, that, bend it of itself stands. If you want to do the, you're the best thing that he's ever seen. That's even icing on the cake, gravy on the train, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that's. Um, but like, it's. I think um, his clothes are dirty, but his hands are clean. That is such a. There's a. There's a lot going on in those few words. I'm, I'm going to go with the. Uh, I long to see you in the morning mm-hmm. light. I long to reach for you in the night. I'm a sucker for anytime you can like give me two lines where it's like morning and night. I want to be with you. So you're saying yeah. I'm, if I'm if you hear light like rhymed with night, you're fucking in, right? Nice. I, I'm, I'm in. Oh, it's I'm just in. so the end of each verse is just so good. He he's such a good writer that I like highlighted each one of those. Just you know whatever colors you have in your mind. The, that one starts. His clothes are dirty, but his hands are clean. Why wait any longer for the one you love? I long to see you in the morning light. They're just he is just. Swinging for the fences and yeah, and and the very last, you know, stay, lady, stay, stay while the night is still ahead, and and is just a perfect way to end the whatever he's hoping for or longing for, whether it's sleeping with Barbara Streisand or <laughs> yeah, I love that know, he just a he random person. He wrote this for her. Where, so where just where's where, where's this information coming from? Like what I don't, I just I'm asking. And um, he was quoted. It came from Dylan. No, so there was a bunch of archives released earlier this year. Like this one, this one guy who was really good friends with him from like way back early did a lot of interviews with him that had never been released oh. before. And the guy, I guess, died, oh. and they were auctioned off. And one of them, he told the guy, he's like, "Well, I just wrote that uh, for well, Barbara Streisand." And he also <laughs> wrote this for a 1969 movie, Midnight Cowboy, but he didn't get it. He, he didn't movie. get it done in time. So they chose the um, Harry Nilsson Nielsen song. Everybody's, Everybody's talking. talking about it. Yep. And it won the Oscar. And, and that's it's a great so fucking tune. We? We're at uh, best lyric, favorite lyric. What's the song about? The song's just clearly about a dude trying to convince the chick that they should be together and that she should stay, right? That's. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. But I think it's also, it could be like, you could be talking to your wife of 30 years or a lover that you want to keep because it's just so sweet. Like it does, you know. No, I could see that because it's kind of like, you know, like, you know, you can tell your wife to lay across her big brass bed. 
Oh, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, the hopefulness and like the, <laughs> yeah, the totally. like yeah. anticipate. It's almost like anticipation of like yeah. somebody's coming over tonight. Maybe it's like a second. Like maybe it's like your third date, and she's finally coming over to your place, yeah. and like you got a big well, grass bed, and you're like, Oof, I hope this it happens. Feels tonight. Like, it know, feels like it feels like a relationship on the rocks. Actually, I'm definitely just. I mean, my favorite line. Why wait any longer for the one you love when he's standing right in front of you? But I guess it could also be used for a long-term relationship. You can have your cake mm-hmm. and eat it too. You you know you like me. Come on. That, the thing is that could be that that could uh, also be that could potentially be a first date situation too. It's like I'm here and it works right in the lyrics. It works. Yeah, so but, it, like, but if you're if you're yeah. pulling out lines like why wait any longer for the one you love on your first date, you're you're Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let let's move. We we've gotten into the melody and the lyric. I mean, there's no real. It's, it's yeah. pretty straightforward. There's no reason to break that down too much. So, going into the music, I would say, Jonathan, you said this song is all about the lyric. I would say this song is all about the lyric and well, the, the drums. Percussion. Really? It's not even really drums. I mean, there's drums in the. I think about the pedal still more than the drums. The drums just what? dominate the song for me. It's, That's it's all I hear two, is him singing in the drums. It's those two things. It's the pedal steel and the percussion that make this what it is now i'll be clear i'm not saying you're wrong i'm literally asking what are you talking about because i don't know what part because i don't hear the drums don't jump the, out it's like he like they're playing all these weird um i, I didn't write it down but they're playing some weird stuff there in front of you and there's a cool story behind the drums as well that a couple guys wanted him to play. They were like, "Ooh, you should play bongos or play uh, it was like bongo uh, and cowbell." And cowbell, <laughs> and the guy was like, "Let me show you why this is a bad idea." And so he just went and did it, and he put the mic over it, and then he went to the actual drums to play the chorus, and that's why it's kind of a little more and more faint. But during the verse, during the like, you know, the A parts, you can hear it's just it's just random percussion yeah. hits, not random, but they're just odd percussion hits to be Hold in like a kind quick. of country. I think- Song. To this day, that guy, Kenny Buttry, I think he thinks that's one of his best performances of all time. He's still... If he was a Nashville guy, everything else was boom, pop, boom. <laughs> but he, it, those things are optional. The intro beginning pedal still is not optional. Like that has to be there. There has to be a... A thematic beginning and the pedal steel does that those little that that's probably my least p- favorite part of the song wow yeah we're just different that way how yeah. how like that's it's such such a mood and such a huge part of the song i think it's cool because it's not try, you know a lot of times pedal steel they'll be all they'll be playing all kinds of licks and doing all kinds of really slick stuff but this is just a very well like swells it's so it's just those nice. swells yeah, it's like the way Garcia plays, kind of a little bit. It's not mm-hmm. another thing I noticed that I'd never noticed is there's just this organ really low in the mix mm-hmm. that's just throughout the song, like just it, it's so low, but it's so fucking beautiful. It really adds that kind of the kind of sexual what? nature of the, of, the, of the song. It does. It it I think it makes it a little sexier. It kind of okay. Let's be clear. So I think so. You're talking about you're talking about the production and the arrangement you're saying what you like about the arrangement i guess the the, the most memorable part of this song to me is a lee lady lee lay across my big brass bed and so that is the most memorable part of this song is the big brass bed right sure 
And it's got great lyrics. I, I think of the pedal steel when I think of the song. I think of that, that wavy intro. And I think the way he's singing and that the, the cowbell and bongos, the way it, it counteracts yeah, his, no, it's cool. his crooning voice is so such a big part. And and it just adds to like the just original take on like a, this weird little country song that he wrote in, in, that it's still just country, but now it has this kind of weird percussion on it that's a little different than you'd hear in most country stuff. And it just again, there's so there's a lot of space once he starts singing. It's just his vocals and those percussion hits, you know, and that little keyboard underneath, and then those little accents. So yeah, sure, the slide. I just. Sorry, pedal steel. The pedal steel I could do without. See, just get me to for me, without the pedal steel, it's not so country. In fact, it's kind of world music if you get bongos and triangles in there. I mean, the the pedal steel pulls. <laughs> Try it. bongos and triangles. The the, the, the the pedal steel pulls it country. The pedal the the reason why it is country. I mean, hell, it's in Nashville. Everything has a pedal steel in it. But also makes it country is he's kind of doing a country vocal. You can't like the vocal is. But you're, I agree with you about the vocal. The, but just I be clear, I'm not the impressive thing about this song is that. And, and we can get to this in Under the Covers. This song is not that good when other people sing yeah. it. And even when he sings it in different ways, it's not that good. That's weird. So we, and we can discuss that more in, in covers, but like this is the way to sing this. This is like the perfect way to do this song, which obviously that's for most songs, but his vocal intonation is a huge so I can part see of that. And for him to, you know, and Bob Dylan is known for like this kind of chameleon reinvention piece of pop culture that like you know he just plays with it because he's been famous for so long and this is one of the earliest renditions of that where he went to nashville and just reinvented himself after really not doing anything for a few years like playing music in woodstock with the band and he's like oh, i'm gonna go to nashville and do this i can see why covers of this song may not work well because it's a combination of m- melody and and serious phrasing in that He's doing that talk singing thing, and that talk singing thing is challenging because it's not really singing. That at the beginning, lay, 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 sure, lay across my big. I mean, it's it, it's it's melodic talking kind of, and it's not you can't really sing it. So I can see where pe- people may have trouble because it's just his thing. It's very there again idiosyncratic. It's just Dylan being Dylan. So it can be hard to it can be hard to pull that off if you're a, a more standard gifted singer sometimes. So getting into production, this was produced by Bob Johnston. He is uh, best known for working with Dylan, Johnny Cash, Leonard Cohen, Simon and Garfunkel. I feel like we've kind of hit on the production because we've been talking about how all this stuff is is in there and, and, and put in the mix and, and how it's arranged. We, we definitely have. Yeah, Just probably. as far as production, and we've talked about it, I can't find a great live version. So obviously they did a lot right on this. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's excellent. It'd be hard to sing it that way live. I think the vocals feel like they wouldn't carry in a live. I wonder if that's why mm-hmm. it is. No, I think it's just Dylan because he obviously changed it to a much worse version. <laughs> I think what it is um, is Dylan's kind of like the dead, where it's like they don't sound like they practice a whole lot. Like we're just gonna go play the like y'all know the song. We're musicians. I'm Bob Dylan. You're the band. We can play it. And then whatever happens, happens. And that's fine. So, he wants some spontaneity. He's he like, I'm not trying song. to recreate the studio. But when he's in the studio, especially at this time in his life, he was fucking. They were on. He had the best people. Sometimes he, sh- sometimes he should try to recreate the studio. <laughs> Just at least in this song. Okay. Well, we won't spend too much time in production, so we will move into our vibe time. Cue the uh, theme music in three, two, one. Mm. 
that's a, okay. that's a new Radiohead. That's a new Radiohead song. I just um, just so we're clear. Like, that's that's their newest release. That was the whole song. Neil, this was your pick. When do you want to hear this song? With my wife, honestly, this is kind of one of our songs. One of the reasons I picked it. So yes, I love playing it for her. Anytime it comes on, I shoot her a look like, yeah, baby, this is. This is us. Like, I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> Stay with you, man, a while. Uh, Johnny? Uh, yeah, this is a good, uh, because largely probably because of the pedal steel and the the form of the song. Uh, it's a good shooting pool song. It's a great jukebox and a bar song. Um, yeah. Billiards. That, that, that's so funny. I, I, I definitely <laughs> don't want to hear this song at a bar. It's more either, like Neil said, with with my lady or like dinner with friends at, oh, at I, the house. I might be with your lady at the bar, John. But, um, Well, as we, uh, as we dive bomb under the influence. Um, Hold on. Now we're dive bombing? <laughs> under, so we're just doing shots of influence. We, we we've gotten wasted on Lay Lady Lay. We're we're getting ready for the for the big brass bed later, and we're going under the influence. I don't really have. I feel like Dylan is his own influence, unless you're going to get really into you know older music from like the 30s and 40s. Then that's that's kind of it. The one the one thing I would say the song reminds me of though, because this song I associate just with Lay Lady Lay, Lay Across Your Big Brass Bed, it's very similar to the Paul McCartney song, um, Let Him In. It's just How's like, it like yeah, that song? Oh, it's just a weird little to me, it's just this weird little unique song situated around an animate object like a doorbell or a big brass bed. With a very catchy <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not I'll, laughing I'll, at you, I'm laughing at how differently we perceive things. It explains why we argue so much. Because we clearly hear the same thing and hear two totally different things. I was going to keep it quick here. Um, just how I started the pod, I think this song kind of stands on its own island. I, I don't feel like he, I feel like it was very unique at the time. And I don't feel like it's specifically inspired music moving forward. Or no, it has inspired many artists, this song. But but I don't think they took the sound of it. No one's taken this torch and run with it you know what i mean it's just it's more of a general inspiration yeah, of how to this song is very art. standalone this isn't dylan's most innovative work this isn't what he's famous for this is like just more great shit dylan does it's like to me this song it's very much of a country format songwriting for the most part compared to other stuff it's not as folky it, it, the nature of it it has a country flavor in the sense that it's about very relationshipy and it's very like whereas a lot of the other stuff was more political and social i feel like this is distinctly inherently private and relationshipy and to me this is like you know if dylan wrote a haiku it'd be a fucking amazing haiku because even if you even if you give him some parameters if you want it to be national skyline you want it to be nash you want it to be of nash well you gotta have some parameters a little bit but you're still his genius still shines through so i think you know, the influence, it's just pretty standard songwriting. His lyrics are still genius. They're brilliant. No one else would have written those lyrics. Yeah. yeah. Um, but beyond that, just, it's pretty straight ahead. Just one quick point to um, how I was saying it's inspired so many musicians. I read a quote from Madonna. She was saying she used to lay in bed and listen to this and cry when she was a teenager. And she also she was like, don't ask me why I was crying. It's not a sad song. But it <laughs> meant a lot to her. Since, since we're already laying on the bed, why don't we slide under the covers for a minute and, yeah. and, <laughs> and uh, talk about the, the numerous covers of this song, like almost too many. Jonathan, how many of them did you listen to? Zero. I didn't even listen to this song this week. 
<laughs> I know this song so well. I, I, I bought, I bought, I bought we, I didn't mention this. I bought Bob Dylan's Greatest Hits 2 in, I don't know, 8th grade, ninth grade, 15. And this was one of the hits on that <laughs> I wore it out. I've played it in shows. and so I was I more of a song. Greatest Hits 3 and, guy. And Neil, did you listen to, obviously we all love the song, but Neil, did you listen to any covers? No. Yeah, there's there's one specifically, the Magnet version, which I think is really good. It actually came on last week, and it's the reason I picked huh. the song. The song came on, um, Michelle had put it on. That one, and there, there's many, but one that I found right before we um, we started this was uh, Jose Feliciano does a great version. A really, like, I, I find that anytime I put anything of his on, I'm like, damn, this is damn, really Jose. good. It's like uh, Steve Buscemi said in Fargo, "You can never go wrong with Jose Feliciano." That's who was playing. That's who was playing in the uh, little bar in the in the show there when he was with the prostitute. And he's like, "So how long have you been with the agency? Do you enjoy that work?" And she's like, "Are you serious?" So it's that's like, so anyway, that, that's there's great. a really cool instrumental version from Modesky and Schofield off an album called Hudson, where they do like almost a jazz is dead. Okay. Um, version of this and it's so cool to hear uh schofield sing it on his guitar you know yeah. what I mean? like okay great. well as usual i listen to like 20 of these covers but i'll only highlight a few just going off of dylan's versions we've already talked about before the flood uh there's also the bootleg series version which is just more straightforward it doesn't have the pedal steel it's still good but it's it's not as good as the original isaac hayes and the isley brothers both do covers mm-hmm. it does That's not cool. translate well uh, to R&B, in my opinion, M- Ministry no, no. Ministry did an electro like industrial cover, which I, w- I would avoid. The Birds is version is very mediocre. I want to say whoever suggested Ministry cover of Dylan has balls. Hey guys, <laughs> Psalm sixty nine, fuck that. We're doing fucking Lay Lady Lay. It's funny that the Birds version came out a couple weeks before the Dylan. But version. They did that sometimes with the songs. Yeah, yeah. and nice. they they but, hated it um, because the producer pulled a specter on them and put uh, female harmonies on it that they did not approve. Oh, uh, they're like, well, fuck yeah. it. If we can make Tambourine Man a hit, we'll just release the songs where he does. They'll be our songs. I mean, he. I'm sure he agreed with it. I'm sure he did, but it's just kind of funny. They're like, can we release your song before you release it? Right? <laughs> no. Well, it's like, hey, birds. When's your next album? Well, so, out? I don't know. I so there, there, there's two more. Uh, there's Pete Yorn, <laughs> which is up, upbeat, but also kind of medi- mediocre. And then I really, my favorite one of these covers is the Duran Duran version. It's very low key. <laughs> Duran, Duran. They don't get super synthy with it. It's it, it's it's better than the Magnet one, I think. Although the Magnet one is not bad. It has some horns and whatever. Was that on a Duran Duran album? Or is it like it, a- it's on a covers album they did in the 90s called Thank You. Um, That's weird. And, it, yeah, it's not better than the Magnet version. Um, it's, 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 agree uh, to disagree. It has charm. Agree to disagree. <laughs> well, disagree. I, I don't disagree. even agree with that. But one thing about this song is it's almost become like a standard. So many people have covered it from R&B to ministry to... You know, just kind of indie artist. Neil Diamond did it. Cher did it. Yeah, and that's, Benny King did it. And that really lends itself to the nature of country music, right? Like people play the same songs, mm-hmm. and it becomes like yeah. the song is a vehicle mm-hmm. for yeah. for mm-hmm. for other folks to do their thing with it. Exactly. It's like uh, I was I recently rewatched Inside Lewin Davis. Huh. And he played a mm-hmm. song. Not my uh, favorite. Not my favorite. The second time I watched it, I like it better. I can it's see different. that. It was fun. Um, but. He said he plays that uh, a variation of a blues tune, and he's like, "Ah, that's one of those songs that has always been around, and it never gets old." And I'm like, "That's a cool mm-hmm. way of saying it." Yeah, and that's like how folk yeah. songs are, and that's how country songs are. Always been around, 
never get old. To me, this is like Dylan's hippie bohemian take on this is this is Dylan going into the influence of uh, George Jones, so which means he's under the influence of alcohol. From the infinite wisdom of the Coen brothers to the infinite wisdom of Podgave Rock, which manifests itself in our Does the Shoe Fit section. And Neil, this is your song. So how does the shoe fit? Like a very boring, understated pair of cowboy boots. Like nothing fancy, no no designs, just like some some black or brown cowboy boots that you methodically take off as the lady lays across your big breast bed. Your big breast bed, Neil? <laughs> that, you hear what you want, Josh. Uh, I want to hear breasts. And, and Johnny. <laughs> I don't know what they sound like, but I want to hear them. <laughs> Johnny, what, uh, how, does it, how, does, how does the shoe fit? This song's like a flip-flop. Like You don't get a choice for this song not to fit. You know what I'm saying? This one, you can't really be like, this song's no good. No one can really say that. So this is just like a army boot or something where it's like, you know, or like a Ford. So a, one size fits all? It's, a, it's going to fit you. I was, one time I was trying to buy a hat. I was like, hey, do you have this on a different size? And he's like, no, one size fits all. I'm like, clearly not because I need another size. <laughs> well, this anyway. is good. This is going to be a little off kilter but for some reason because i just know the song from my mom's records this song <laughs> reminds me of my mom to or like being at my mom's house when i was younger so it, it fits like a, a like a wool sock it's cold out and you're just walking around your house your childhood home in a wool, with like wool socks on that are super comfortable and trust the floors are dirty but his socks are clean <laughs> <laughs> and uh on that note Thanks for listening to Pod Gabe Rock and Roll to you, and we are going to play a cover of Bob Dylan's Lay Lady Lay. Lay Lady Lay Lay across my big brass bed my big breast bed Whatever color you have in your mind I show them to you and you see them shine Lay, lady, lay Lay across my big breast bed Stay, lady, stay Stay with your man a while Until the break of day Let me see you make him smile His clothes are dirty, but it and you're the best thing that he's ever seen Stay, lady, stay Stay with your man a while While waiting any longer for the world to begin You can have your 
heard was performed by neil marsh and josh bond thanks for listening to pod gave rock and roll to you please subscribe and rate on apple and spotify you can find us on twitter and instagram under the handle at pod gave rock next week is josh's week so josh what will we be discussing johnny we will be discussing little feats uh excellent song dixie chicken but only if you'll be my tennessee lamb in that case we will not be discussing the song <laughs> can't wait Ha, 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 ha.